adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flayers podcast, coming to you from a small hamlet on the border of an ancient haunted forest. I'm, I'm your host, Connor O'Brien, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Martin O'Dwyer. Hey, Martin, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Ooh, spooky. Haunted forest. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, how are you getting on? How, how are things this week? Uh, things are sleepy. Things are things are quite sleepy, but I'm going to power through. Um, had a good had a good session on Friday with my guys. Um, really starting to get into our like Japanese pirate arc, which is fun. I'm 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 really looking forward to getting like to the. That ladders. sounds like it would be yeah. exceptionally interesting. There, yeah. It was it was cool. We did they did a lot like we didn't get to exactly where I thought we would over the last two sessions, and they did another. I thought I think they're going to do the the mission this way, and then they do the completely other way. <laughs> <laughs> did another one of those um which was just ridiculous that you might have a chat about later if you want but uh oh my yeah, god yeah. yeah it was it was a really sorry oh no go on sorry no it was just a re- it was a really fun session and uh yeah i'm just having a lot of fun really getting into like the japanese vibe and stuff and like robbing like uh robbing an idea from gavin using like loads of the ghost tsushima uh soundtrack yeah yeah really yeah. really good soundtrack uh that's awesome though i mean um you you guys kind of did that to me this past week as well because uh, I you guys have been in the underdark for quite for uh, what what was a couple of weeks or a week and a bit in game but uh, because of like lockdown and not being able to play in person and all this other stuff it's actually we've been there for months <laughs> in real world time uh, and you guys finally got back to the surface and back to the city Temurai that you were kind of operating out of um, and a couple of things happened here and there and I I purposely use this as a a staging period to be like hey there's stuff happening over here Ooh, but there's also this other thing happening i kind of laid out a bunch of like little threads and you guys can follow whichever one you want um and you actually end up taking probably the one i was least expecting or one of the ones i was least expecting you to go after really which was um the the resistance uh who are fighting back against the empire who are moving in on this territory um the resistance uh, asked you to go to a place called Solaster, which is about a week's journey away, a little over a week's journey away, um, and recover a former uh, military commander of this country before it was occupied, um, who's apparently really, really good at uh, at starting insurrections <laughs> and, uh, and just basically uh, kind of, you know, a rabble kicking, kicking things up. Yeah, a rabble rouser, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and get him and bring him back, and uh, so that he can he can help them strategize and you know lay out some tactical plans. Uh, and I didn't think you'd go for it because I, there's other stuff there. I thought you guys were maybe collectively more interested in, and you've actually gone uh, and going after that now. But that's really interesting because it means that there's a couple of new spots in uh, in the kingdom that you guys haven't visited yet, and I, I get to expand on that, which is cool. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to like see see a new area and kind of do more of that because like we've only really had one encounter with the resistance, and like as well like. I'll be honest. It wasn't like my number one thing I wanted to do. I wanted to go back to Ruin and go and go to the grave and see what and see what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when it was offered up, and was like, okay, this is on a limited time thing. I was and I was just like, yeah, no, we really haven't done much with Wabu, and it, it would only be fair to actually do a bit of his stuff now because like literally from yeah, the start we've yeah. done nothing, um, and like we did my whole thing, and like we've the last like entire arc was basically like Aerith and uh, Arc combined. So I was like, yeah, yeah. So when that came up, I was like, yeah, I know, being fair, yeah, we should do Wabu's thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. And, and again, I'm I'm delighted to be able to explore this a little bit. One because, yeah, we're going to get to maybe touch on some of Wabu's stuff, which is nice. Um, but also just because, uh, again, we get to go. If you if you'd gone back to Rune or if you'd done 
a couple of the other arcs I had in mind, they were either based in Temurai, so you'd be staying where you are, or you'd be going back to Rune, mm-hmm. which was is going back to the town you started in. And it just means that I don't get to elaborate or come up with any new stuff. Uh, which, on the one hand, is nice. It's it's oh, I already have that town made. Brilliant. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it's like oh, you go back to the town you were already in, and you see the buildings that you already saw. And here, look, here's that person you already met before. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's not that it's super boring, but it's just not as exciting as going to an all new settlement or anything like that. Yeah, it kind of makes the world feel smaller if you're just retracing your steps. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Martin. Why would anybody place their village on the border of a haunted forest? Um, maybe they built it there before the forest was haunted and then their inhabitants were slaughtered and they now haunt the woods. That was quick and very, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, I, I feel like it's often, the, it's often the case in D&D or maybe more the classic vibe of D&D where people will, uh, people will have a village or a small town or a hamlet that is in a strange location it's like oh it's in the corner of the kingdom <laughs> yeah. which just so happens to border the dark lands with the dark lord and his undead armies roam and you're like why would you why would a tiny little town exist so so close or why would you make a, uh, a village either in or right on the border of a forest that is haunted or full of elves that don't want you anywhere near mm. their woods and all this kind of stuff um and it kind of just brings to mind what we're going to be talking about today which is is settlements and how settlements come about uh, where you place them in your world from a, a DM world building perspective, how you name them, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so where, how do you kind of go about placing settlements in your world? Is there any, is there any spots that you gravitate towards? I don't. I kind of like. I kind of go like from like general to specific. In that, like, I'll do like, okay, I'm gonna do like I'll go with I'll start with the country and I'll be like okay what kind of a what kind of a country is this and you know what what's the culture like and and that because like very often the culture will inform where people settle like if you're a sailing culture you're much more likely to settle by the seas um whereas if you're like uh like um an agricultural culture Jesus that's a weird way to say an agricultural culture um <laughs> you'll probably settle more towards areas that have like better land for growing crops and things yeah. like that lowlands uh, grasslands like that, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly um so like I'll, I'll go with that first and then i'll usually go okay how like and i'll determine like the culture and the size of the country and then i'm going okay how many sort of like big like in terms of like if you were to look at like a world map straight away on a world map it'll show like the country and then it'll show like one to maybe like three cities in the country sometimes like you yeah. know like if if it's ireland it'll be like ireland dublin belfast yeah pretty much yeah yeah they, they have to typically get get uh get shown on a map yeah, yeah like on a on, on like a world map or like a map a map europe or something so i kind of i kind of did my world map in, like that um and in that like so um i'll have like yeah so the the i was talking about there the, the japanese place i'm i i've a japanese influence place that's like a, a dragonborn homeland and it's called um yosariu and um i have three i have like one main city on it and then i have one one main town on it sorry and then I have like two larger islands that and like it's like the main one, the smallest island has the town on it, and that's like sort of a welcoming area landing stage. Then right. so the there's the smallest island is actually in the sea. The second biggest island floats hundred and fifty feet above the, the small island and about a day's travel west. And then the third island, which is the biggest island, a day further day's travel west and floats another hundred and fifty feet above the middle island. <laughs> 
So, oh, so they're actually floating in the in the air. Yeah, there. yeah they're okay. mag- like magically fly- floating islands with like a, oh, okay. what this one waterfall that flows from some uh, like an unseen like, like source on the top. Avatar. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is. Shit. I, that, don't knock it. That's a really cool concept. Don't, don't yeah, knock it's, it. Yeah, uh, it's like this magic, and it's like this magical waterfall that flows from the three and connects them all. Oh yeah, which is yeah, yeah. which is why the other two islands don't just like fall into the abyss. Um, but yeah, when I was doing that, like I was like, um, the town is called Anjo, and I um, that and I suppose the best one to talk about would be that one because that's the most recent one I've done, and it's the one I've kind of put the most effort into recently because my players just got there, and their last yeah, two, yeah. their last two sections were in Anjo. Fresh on the mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when I was doing that, I was like, um, I was trying to think of like an area. I I like I figured it would have to be like a welcoming area because uh the the it's like. It's like a very small country, but it's more of like a, an archipelago or like a series of islands, and it's like magically protected from like teleportation. It's it's like divinely sorry, divinely probably is a better way to say it. And um, because the patron god, the patron god of this area is Bahamut, and they like highly worship Bahamut. Like platinum isn't used as a currency there; it's only used to make like holy relics and statues. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't use it for something as trivial as as coins to be handed around. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Um, so when I was designing Andrew, I was like, okay, so this will this will be like the port city. This will be where where trades come and like people drop off their supplies and like tour and like uh, tourists or travelers come to see things. So I was like, okay, it'll need to have like certain amenities. It'll need to have a certain thing. Like I was like, it's the smallest island, so even though it's a port city, it can't really be that big because I still want like more space. I don't like it wouldn't really make sense for an entire a big city to be on the smallest island like it would more so you'd think it'd settle on the bigger landmass um so i was like it'll be like a small but like dense and busy town where there's like lots of stuff going on and yeah. uh and then and then like a lot of amenities and then i went down to like the style so i was like okay it's going to be uh heavily asian inspired i kind of draw a lot from like uh from like japanese um fiction and and like also like just like what it looks like there so like oh yeah and i i i did some googling because i wanted to i wanted to put like um sakura blossoms in it because you know it's super japanese it's like you have to yeah, yeah of course yeah, um yeah. so I, I i actually googled like when do when do sakura trees blossom and they blossom on the 4th of april so it was like just before the guys were getting there i was like oh perfect there's a sakura festival on right when they arrive um and it's like this big like and then that turned into it's actually like a big five day like spring births festival where like they start to like uh, i've incorporated like a bunch of stuff and like there's um like there's different things happen every day so like the first three days are like a massive party and then the last two days are more like religious ceremonies and like day four yeah. there's like um there's like a parade of demons um which is like straight out of japanese folklore there's like the i think it's called the night parade of 100 demons um like and yokai in japanese folklore where they're like um these de- they're like um demons or like demonic spirits that have all these like very specific and weirdly interesting kind of domains or like like if you've ever heard of like a kappa that's like a yokai that lives in a that lives in a um lives in the river and like drowns people okay cool yeah, so cool. There, there's loads of stuff like that so like uh, i took inspiration from that and then like the uh the krampus festival where people like run through the streets dressed oh, as yeah, demons yeah. covered in torches so i was like oh 100 demon night parade krampus festival so like people are gonna like run through the streets wearing all these crazy like japanese style like um hanya masks and all stuff to like and then like uh like monks will like chase them out of the town to like banish the winter or whatever yeah yeah i like that that's uh it's actually funny when you mention it basically like a a big it's a big piss up for a few days uh, followed by some like uh piety and (laughs) uh and and religious ceremonies it kind of reminds me because i know people who 
um, frequent, and I'm, I don't know the name of the festival ever, but they frequent uh, Lourdes, the pilgrimage to Lourdes in southern oh, France yeah. once a year. Um, and I know people have been to that, and that's, they, that's what they basically describe it as. A lot of people will go, they'll do the whole, uh, the various masses and the various uh, cathedrals and all the other stuff. Um, but then after they've done all that, it's basically just a big piss up in southern France with lovely weather in the <laughs> yeah. middle of summer. <laughs> yeah, I was kind um, of, um, I was kind of thinking of it as well. Like, um, if you ever seen like, I think it's it's how Easter is celebrated in like mainland Europe. It'll there'll be like, uh, there'll be like, um, I think it's like, is it? Yeah, Carnival. Yeah, like Carnival, where it'll be like a, it's it's an Easter okay. it's it's an Easter celebration, but like it's a massive street party for a few days, and then there's like religious there's like a religious element to it too. So I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, three day like it'll be a five day thing, three day festival. The the fourth day will be like the beginning of the, the religious things, and the fifth day is when it ends with a big mad like public service. That'll be awful because you'd be three or four days into <laughs> yeah. into a, a hangover and then uh, and then on the fifth day it's like right time to go to mass for a few yeah. hours and you'd be like oh god that's oh, no i'll do anything please it's it's grand the party we're getting drunk with a monk so they're all good yeah uh, it's it's uh it's very funny that you would like i said it, it, it compares the lords and actually reminds me of one I, th- I think i mentioned to you on the podcast before i know i definitely mentioned it to you before because you guys are currently heading there as i mentioned you're heading to a place called solaster yeah Solaster is based on Lords. Oh, Redalia cool. is based on France. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Solaster is based on Lords crossed with Bordeaux. Um, so it has the in Lords has this kind of sacred um, uh, water. What do you call it? Uh, like a spring. It's a bath, isn't it? Uh, uh, it. I don't know if there. I think you. There is a thing where certain it's people. Like, no, it's like an outdoor like wash. And stuff, but... Yeah, but isn't it like an outdoor kind? Of, I've never been. I I, I stopped being yeah. religious years ago, so I'm not really sure. But like um, like I think it's I think it's like an outdoor like it's almost like a, a hot spring kind of thing. I think, but like no, well it's 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 I like think bats, it's, it, like, it? like it's people, not quite a bat. No, it's like, like, it's like, I like think... well, it's like a, like a big cement pool kind of a thing, isn't it? Like, uh, it's it, it's in like this kind of undercroft. So there's a cathedral built up on this kind of cliff. Yeah. And, and directly below that, the cliff kind of overhangs a little bit, and there's this natural spring that that comes and gathers. It builds all the water comes from up out of the ground, I believe, and then um, gathers there, and then flows off into the nearby river. Um, yeah. And that whole so and I, I forget what the specific religion, like the real world specific religiousness of lord is but yeah uh, i, I think the virgin mary is supposed to have appeared there oh quite possibly that's that sounds right yeah I don't, don't, quote, me, don't that, quote me on that anyone who is actually religious watching that, this. that I, that's I meshing with the with, with with like the the scares of, of going to like catholic primary school in my memory so like that sounds about yeah right. it's, it's firing <laughs> some old pistons yeah. there um but yeah so uh so so Lester is basically kind of like that they have it's built on a lake on a river slash lake at the mouth of the river um and they basically are uh, up on a on a hilltop again very similar to lords there is a monastery there of monks but not they're kind of a cross between uh like european monks that wear the kind of uh the habits and stuff like mm-hmm. that and the uh and dress very plainly and they're very devout and all that but also then crossed with some semi kind of shaolin stuff and all that um, and I think I mentioned before, this is actually how I worked the Way of the Drunken Fist yes. uh, subclass into my world, because uh, one of the things you get at level three with that subclass is you get uh, proficiency in brewing uh, brewing supplies. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be really, really good if they were monks and they lived here in this holy site? 
Uh, and not only that, but, and this is where the Bordeaux thing comes in, because obviously Bordeaux is very famous for wine. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where uh, they, they not only do that, but they take the water and they make their own wine that they then sell. And it's just very, very high quality. And it's just something there's something uh holy about it like I, I haven't quite worked out yet i might i might make it have very slight healing properties or something like that you could say that um, like there's key infused into it yeah exactly yeah and, and like these guys so they've kind of they, they make the wine they they don't sell, well they kind of sell it but it's it's like it's not for them to profit off of it so that they can kind of keep the monastery and everything kind of safe and all that not only that though they practice martial arts so that they themselves can defend this religious site uh, hence why the drunken the drunken fist comes in and all that. Buckfast um, Abbey, I really... but they don't need bouncers. <laughs> Sorry? Buckfast Abbey, but they don't need bouncers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, uh, and you, you pointed out to me before that I, I basically inadvertently recreated uh, Buckfast Abbey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buckfast Abbey um, and Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the basic idea of it. And then, of course, because people make all these religious pilgrimages to this site, uh, the reason it is a holy site is that a relic a celestial relic fell there long ago Ooh. um and so the lake has certain properties that are imbued with that celestial power uh, and as a result then the the monks you know live there and, and worship there uh, and people make pilgrimages and then the town kind of grew up around the monastery um and it's a it's a very very famous very holy site uh inside of uh inside of Redalia. but yeah that's a uh, you have you my attention <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we. I think I think we were, we're kind of well, we were kind of on similar, uh, similar veins there when you kind of brought up the idea of them having a big piss off slash, uh, <laughs> uh, slash holy festival, and that just reminded me of Lords, which reminded me of that of that settlement, which is uh, something I, I only implemented recently. I kind of did a revision of my map. I had X amount of settlements, and then I added in I'd say four or five more that were not there before, um, because I wanted to kind of expand the map and blow it up a bit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've like uh, deliberately left a bunch of blank spaces on mine when I redid it. Um, just yeah. so that like if they're heading here, 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 I need to, or like they're heading away where I, somewhere where I need to introduce a new settlement, I can just be like, oh yeah, here. And like the way I've kind of rationaled it is that like, so the places they have been have more towns on them than uh, the places they haven't been. The places they haven't been are very much like that Atlas style map where it's the main population centers yeah it's 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 two or three biggest settlements yeah. will be noted so i'm yeah. just i'll just be like uh, so my rationale for this is as they go i'll and like explore new places i'll add more in and the real reason is that they started on one continent and went to a few and then i added six more continents so yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's something to be said for starting small yeah. when it comes to settlements you don't need to do a whole kingdom map i do because i, I have a sickness uh, <laughs> but um <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean like honestly there's there's a lot to be said for just simply having a single village or town uh with you know a, a decent few characters and stuff like that um i want to talk a little bit about what but some reasons why some settlements are placed uh the way they are as i mentioned there that uh you that uh the solaster is placed because it's the site of a fallen celestial relic mm-hmm. uh what, what I, I know it's a port town I suppose from the perspective of the place that you were, your, your port town that is the kind of opening or introduction area to your, your Dragonborn setting, uh, is that kind of from the perspective of 
uh, how do I put it? Well, it's, I suppose it's the lowest rung on this ladder of yeah, islands. Exactly. Kind of like it's, it's physically so, like yeah. really the only way you can get onto the island is to dock at Anjo and then go and then yeah. you can go up the waterfalls because there's air. It's I, I, I can say this because can, can you sail up them? I, I you're not sailing, but I, I I can tell you the idea now because it'll be a surprise for my, my players because this will come out after the session. Um, it will, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the way it works is that basically the each island is linked by the waterfall, the bottom of the falls with the pools at the lowest island, and then you go up and up and up. Um, yeah. And when you get to basically when you get to the base of a waterfall, there are these giant lotus leaves that that float on the river, and you can walk on and stand on one. And then, I, like the best way you can describe it is a a a swarm of like set of um like divine koi gather under the lotus leaf, and they oh. will, and they <laughs> push you up the waterfall. Um, because there is uh, this really famous Japanese, uh, it's like a folktale or a legend that if um, if because you know the way a koi fish come upstream to um, respawn. Yeah, respawn. there's a few different yeah. species of fish to do that, but yeah, koi is definitely but one of them. In, yeah. uh, there's a, there's this legend in in, in uh, Japanese folklore <coughs> that if a, if a koi fish ever makes it all the way up a river and up a waterfall to the top of the waterfall, when it gets to the top of the waterfall, it will become a dragon. Um, well, that's where the the mythology behind Gyarados in Pokemon came from. Magikarp yeah. is a koi fish, uh, and he's a it's really weak, shitty little fish. But if he can, and I think there was an episode like that where they were literally they, they um, Magikarp were swimming upstream, and it, it's like a test of their endurance that if they can swim the whole way up and they they show that strength, they evolve into a Gyarados. Yeah. So I was like, when I I knew I wanted the sacred waterfall, so I was like, how are how are people going to get up? this thing and i was just trying to i was like they probably use the water and i was like and then that 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 thing popped into my head and i was like oh it'd be cool if you like stood on a big like leaf and then all of these it's also partly inspired by i'm, I'm watching the digimon 2020 remake and one of the rookies <laughs> uh one, one of the rookie forms attack is called marching fishes where he literally just summons a swarm of fish under him and like batters into people um so <laughs> i think it's, it was like a combination of that and the and the koi myth but i sound much more intelligent if i only tell you about the koi myth <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was studying uh, Japanese folklore, and uh, there's this, this mythological legend of, uh, I, I, I suppose, to, I saw it on Digimon. <laughs> well, it's both. Like, I, I just, I just grab bits and pieces of whatever works, really. Oh yeah, that's it. That I, I think we could end the podcast there. I just grab bits and pieces of what works. <laughs> There's the settlement building podcast. Thank you all. Good night. <laughs> yeah, if you were to sum it up and in, in like just make yeah. it suit your purposes and then work that way. That's the yeah. way I was. It was like, what's the purpose? Like, how big does it need to be to fulfill this purpose? I.e., how many people live here? And then like, what features does this town need? to fulfill that purpose and then everything and that's like the core of the town built already basically and then everything that's, else you just add around that's something that you mentioned there about about the populations and stuff like that that's something i kind of wasn't sure about because it's hard to picture yeah large groups of people yeah especially nowadays yeah <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I can't remember what 20 people looks like um, um but yeah it's, it's hard it's hard to picture uh, large groups of people in terms of like what does it look like? How many people live in an area with, like, if it's like two hundred thousand yeah. people? What the fuck does two hundred thousand people look like? You know, it's really hard to imagine. Um, and I was kind of trying to, when I was trying to gauge uh, for Redalia for the kingdom, which is uh, it's approximately the size of Ireland. It's a little bit longer and a little bit thinner, but landmass wise, it's approximately the size of Ireland. Um, and I was trying to work out, okay, so how big should these cities be? You know. Um, and, it, and I, when I look at France from like the, the 1600s, which is kind of the era I'm aiming for with Redalia in terms of so, certain parts of their culture, um, like there was 
literally, I think Paris had millions of people living there. And oh, yeah. I'm like, that's a lot for a TNT game. I don't know if I have that in me. Uh, so like, literally millions and millions of people. Um, not to mention the rest of France and stuff like that then. So I'm like, okay, that probably won't work. Then I was like, all right, maybe I can look at some of the D&D inspirations. So I pulled out um, the Tal'Dorei campaign guide. Great. Because I remember that in that book, um, there Matt, is Co- oh, Matt Coble, uh, Matt Mercer. <laughs> the other one. Um, the other Matt. Um, Matt, not Matt. Friendly um, Matt, not uh, slightly sadistic Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh Matt, not Matt, uh, made note of well, the population of each settlement and also like the percentage breakdown of like X amount of hu- like uh, X percent of humans, X percent of elves, so on and so forth. Um, and I looked at all of them and that was a fairly decent gauge. And then I looked at his newest one, which is the Wild Mount, uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Um, and I went through the entire book, just looking at the, the populations of each settlement. And I added up the entire population of the empire such a you thing to do by the way it is no i spent i spent about 40 minutes of my life on this and i'll never get that back um so i add i looked at all the settlements i added up all the uh the various uh settlements but only not the entire continent only in the empire uh which which is still like the it's the middle third of the entire continent so it's still a huge you know space and there is just about five hundred thousand people which is not a lot that's a that's a that's actually a very very small amount of people. Yeah. Well, I suppose like if you're looking at it this way, right? Even if it's fantasy, if you're going on your like traditional high fantasy, that's basically magic, medieval Europe or wherever. Even like I'm I'm doing I'm doing a Japanese area. It's Edo period Japan. It's like feudal Japan. Um. So if you look at if you look at population size around that in the real world, people had a lot more children, but a lot but a, not a, a like a significantly less amount of them made it to adulthood. Like people died very easily, very quickly. There was yeah. mass sickness, lots of war, lots of death, and just like people just didn't live as long. Um. So and also like we like cities were still relatively a new thing. Um. So like people were yeah. a lot more spread out. Um. And it's just a combination of like, literally like diet, medical knowledge, uh, av- and like available food supply and resources. And all of that combines to mean, like, yeah, just generally a lower population size. Mm. Yeah, and then which is fair. It's just uh, again, it's it's when you kind of look at the numbers and, and you kind of go, oh, it's when you, when you say the empire, mm. I go, I I think oh, they're probably hundreds of thousands strong. <laughs> like, you know, it's 500, five hundred, five hundred. That's yeah. all. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, it's just it, obviously that doesn't account for people that live outside of the main cities and settlements and stuff like that. Um, but even then, like. Uh, I also Game of Thrones is a is a relatively interesting one to gauge off of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for example, King's Landing, which is the largest settlement in uh, Westeros, uh, has approximately approximately a population of five hundred thousand people, uh, which is fairly big for a medieval South culture, like you said. But we're, as we know, anyone who watches Game of Thrones or reads Game of Thrones, uh, King's Landing is kind of disgusting because <laughs> it's they don't slums. have sewers. a lot of slums. <laughs> Yeah, it, they don't have sewers. Uh, like it's so, it's so densely populated and densely packed that if someone gets sick, fucking everybody gets sick. Uh, and and you know there's there's all these kind of different uh, things to consider when it comes to high population areas. And in the fantasy world, maybe that's not the biggest thing because you have clerics who can go boom, yeah. that's a restoration, and uh, and people are cured instantly. Who's going to pay for that material component though? Well, yes, of course. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, the church isn't giving the stuff away for free. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, we can't go on a weird tangent there. I forget how we got to that. Um, but uh, I was uh, kind of pointing out population size and how you how you envision like large groups of people. Well, the population was the tangent I got yeah, onto. What I actually wanted to talk about was why settlements <laughs> crop up where they do. Yeah. Uh, so like like I said, you had one that your yours is obviously the the most accessible point, which you know that can come in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's the main road mm-hmm. into uh, into a country or something like that. So if if a town starts on that or is based on that main road. It's going to be a big town you know it's going to have a lot of people because a lot of people travel through it's going to have good trade stuff like that yeah um trade roads bridging points i told you just a little while ago before we started recording about one i a small settlement i put in which is called um frontier uh and it's i i again i'm gonna get on to toponymy in a little bit about how you name things but i basically looked up the french word for bridge because the purpose of the town is just that it's a bridge over this one river uh, and the french for border is uh, frontier uh frontier uh and then <laughs> because this was a this was the yeah. border river and this was the bridge over the border river and when i combined those two into pontier uh it turns out that actually means bridge operator so the town is just the word the french word for the, a bridge operator um but it works because that's again that's the purpose of the town it's it does have trade and stuff like that but really the only purpose of the town is a fortified crossing point on the river kind of like the phrase in a, in a game of thrones yes uh, the, a bit the, less shit. the twins uh yes the twins sorry the twins is the name of the yeah because it's dual dual keeps on either side of the river that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah the phrase run the twins over and yeah and the phrase run it yes and they exactly. control the river so that's why they're wealthy mm-hmm. uh there's also something some like some natural resources and other thing as well you have mining towns logging towns yeah. they'll often not always but they'll often uh kind of gather around primary industries uh, you know, primary. You have your primary, secondary, and tertiary industries. For those who don't know, uh, if you did not do, uh, I believe, leaving start geography, I think it was. That was junior uh, start because I remember that. <laughs> oh, I didn't, okay. So it's junior start geography, uh, and basically your primary industries are things like logging, mining, uh, farming. fishing, uh, farming, anything that you kind of use the land and harvest raw resources from. Secondary industries then are things like production. Um, you take all those raw things and you manufacture them or. or develop them into a new product that you can then sell then you have tertiary industries which are typically service industries uh someone giving you a haircut is technically a tertiary industry stuff like that these are all other ones and this i I, when i first started doing out my map i did actually write down the various primary secondary and tertiary industries as of the various settlements and again this is a no this does not help you with (laughs) dnd this in no way makes your dnd game any better uh i'm just a crazy person i need to know why this settlement exists here and why uh, it is a mining town, but is it better than this other mining town? Surely this one has a higher population, so it produces more gold or more uh, precious metals and whatever else. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can sleep now. Was it 4 a.m.? That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, so just uh, I, I kind of I like the idea of having smart, smart location placement for your towns. That's for, again, that's the thing for me though. The realism factor doesn't have to 100% be there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just from I, I like the idea of um, towns appearing in places like bridging points, trade roads, uh, defensible locations as well. Sometimes yeah. a town is just there because there's a big fort, and a town grows around that fort. Then and then it becomes you know, um, Caspier is one I have in. Uh, it's it's a coastal town on the north coast, but uh, it's only there because wood elves cross that bay, and and come into the country, and wood elf rebels cause hassle for the humans. Uh, Caspier is strictly there as a military keep first and a town second, uh, just so it can it can patrol that that northern border, you know. 
Cool. Um, yeah, so is there any other settlements of your world, Martin, that are uh, that have a particularly strong reason for why they exist in the first place? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just out of the last arc, my my guys did. Um, they were mostly based out of a. It's it's a city on. Uh, it's actually the biggest city on the continent of Darkfell, also called Darkfell. Um, so named because that was where it, where it borrowing a name convention from uh, from good old George R. R. Martin there. Um, so Winterfell is the place where winter fell. So my uh, my continent Darkfell is the air is the place where the um, god of darkness and the void was defeated by the other gods. So therefore, name, named Darkfell. <laughs> um, so and uh, basically the the city that's na- the city that the continent is named after was like given as a like the last gift of the gods to um, like a young mortal race so like they made this like like sort of like um how the Numenorians had this like incredible building um techniques where like they built stuff like orthanc and all these crazy big um yeah. like in minas Tirith. um it, the gods kind of did a similar thing for this city it's all like base the like most of the oldest buildings and all the outer walls are like all molded out of this like almost like they're rather molded rather than like built like this it's all smooth stone no seams like heavily heavily reinforced like built on elevated position like the the earth was like pulled up into a spiral for the the town to be like formed around and all this kind of stuff like um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of casting mold or not mold earth but uh shape stone for that one <laughs> well when you're when you're the god of earth you can kind of just go <laughs> oh yeah your stat block says uh in its will casting cast at will shapes don't <laughs> no it's called mold earth but in it's mold earth brackets the planet yeah yeah that, <laughs> yeah, earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one uh but yeah that's probably the one that's like the strongest reason for being there is like literally yeah it was it was like the gods were like were, see, were leaving the earth to like seal like divine threats away from the, the mortal plane and uh as they did they were like we leave you this one gift and it also has like the biggest library in the world there as well because uh it's a uh, the it's at uh, the oldest is it is it the oldest city in your world yes it is yeah that's pretty cool it's kind of almost the seat of civilization so you know like uh, very much the feeling uh, i was going for yeah that's cool that's very cool i also like the idea that they have uh like the oldest archive or library there so if you want to find first editions or information that maybe hasn't been recorded anywhere else it'll likely be recorded yeah. here that's very cool it's like a, a slight side hustle of my like goddess of light is like she's the goddess of light but she's also like the god she is also involved in the god in um uh, knowledge and enlightenment so like her mm. her order have her it's her order that run this library it's called the Ursadon library um and it's like this huge entirely made out of glass library that's shaped like a giant um, like star with all these different points on it and each point is a different color of light on the spectrum of light Oh, I think we visited that on a one shot you ran for us once. You did it? indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that... Two of <laughs> my players for... have woken up after a night of drinking naked on its roof. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were they, uh, uh, what you call the crowding tables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time the same joke is made. Look at the goddess's floor, her lovely floor. Look at her floor. <laughs> oh, from the Simpsons. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's all. Thank God for the floor which she has bestowed upon us. Oh <laughs> uh, man! Oh, like talk, like old school Simpsons. Such great writing. I forgot. I you know. I forgot about that episode. I have not. I have not seen a lot of the those older classic episodes in a long. I, time. I don't even think that's a, a classic. I think that might be even like a latter season one. That might be like nine or ten because it's it's the one where Marge and Homer like 
are sneaking around to like have sex in public places because they're yeah they're trying to like up yeah. their their sex life by having sex in weird places so they can get a bit of a and, and, and so they go into the hot air balloon and accidentally I was like, just say, the hot air <laughs> and they, they throw gills uh <laughs> gills all like oh i was living in there well you know just until the, the payments cleared up and then they throw his like his phone or his answering machine out and it smashes yeah. in the car park and he's like oh, i only had like three payments left Oh <laughs> uh, man, uh God. Jill, what a classic character. Ah, uh, you can't take the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. what was the one where he, uh, the Canyon Arrow episode, where Homer wanted to buy the Canyon Arrow, and Gil was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll get you all, uh, I'll get you all signed up." And the the hot shot guy comes in and goes, "I'll take it from here, Gil." It's like Gary, you gotta give me this one. My my wife is threatening to leave me. He's like, "I got this. Don't worry." And then he takes it, and immediately Gil calls his wife, and he goes, "Honey, you should have seen me. What? No, no, I didn't make a payment, but almost." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I yeah, I forget how good that show is, really. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, towns, <laughs> Springfield. Yes, town. It's a hell of a town. Uh, Springfield. Actually, actually, do you know what? We can work on this. We can work on this. Springfield. The schoolyards up in the shopping malls now. No, I wasn't going to go there. Uh, Springfield is named as such because it was founded by a man named... Jebediah Springfield. Jebediah Springfield. And that kind of plays into the what is known as toponymy, which is the, why places are named the way they are. I'm sorry, I'm just running Simpsons quotes in my head now. <laughs> when, you said Je- when you said Jebediah Springfield, I was like, one, where's the five? Two, give me the five. <laughs> That's actually a great episode as well. <laughs> sorry, there's we the... should really stay on topic. <laughs> Please uh, tune in next week for our Simpsons podcast. Um, but there's, there's the, he hides the silver tongue in the little uh, in the, diorama yeah. thing. And he's like, I didn't think anybody would ever find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, in the mid- it's there with a little holster and a hat on it. So. Uh, it's so great. Oh. Uh, what, what was his actual name? Uh, oh, the... Yeah, but I was had a, uh, he was a pirate named something else. Oh, jeez, I know. And we should probably talk about towns anyway. <laughs> fine <laughs> fine martin i'll talk about the topic that we said we'd talk we about were... in the title of this podcast he was called like no he didn't have a tongue for some reason i can't remember <laughs> uh i think he i want to say he ate it, it he was swallowed like, his I, own tongue I, did, did someone not like bite it off i have that in my head for some reason that someone bit it off I mean, I'm, okay i'm gonna google jeopardize all right we're we're gonna take a brief uh sojourn into fact finding about the simpsons this is important, people. All right. Yeah, I, I can promise yeah, but... it's coming into what was it, Connor? Toponymy. I assume that's sort of like uh, yeah, the name. Yes, name Toponymy. Uh, oh my God, I forgot his 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 full name that he went by was Jebediah Obadiah Zachariah <laughs> uh, Jedediah Springfield. <laughs> um, was a a purported historical founder of the town of Springfield and a murderous pirate. One second, I think it's the episode The Controversial Truth. His name his name was Hans Sprungfeld. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We oh god. Uh I can't. Oh he, he oh he tried to kill George Washington, didn't he? And then he stepped on the portrait of George Washington on the way out. Uh and it stuck to his boot, and that's why he had the piece of paper that he wrote. Oh uh, what's that? Let's go myself. Tur- yeah, that's all I got right now. 19, uh, 1795 hit his identity. He wrote his confession on a scrap of paper that was uh, formed the missing piece 
of the famous, a famously incomplete portrait of George Washington. Are you on the uh, Simpsons wiki? <laughs> I have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but you were saying it's it's named after him because he founded it. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just still laughing at the Je- Jebediah, Obadiah, Zachariah, Jedediah, Springfield. <laughs> yes, toponymy. Uh, so toponymy is basically the name. It's why things are named. It's why places are named the way they are. Um, uh, so basically, there are sometimes it's it's very very obvious mm. um, uh, why things are named. Like for example, Springfield. It's the the surname of the of the man who did it. That goes the same actually for we just mentioned him, George Washington. Washington, yeah. Washington D.C. is named after George Washington. Um, so there, there's plenty of examples of things that were towns are named after the famous people who founded them or took part, you know, in, in their history. Um, nearly every, they can be kind of. Sorry, go on. I was just saying, nearly every train station in Ireland is named after one of the members of 1916 Rising. Uh, that is true. Uh, we have what's one in town for us? Colbert there's Station. Connolly, sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, Colbert. Colbert is in State. town for us. Then there's yeah. Connolly in Dublin, and also. Oh, sorry, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I can't remember. Clungus Pierce. <laughs> no, it's it's O'Connell. Connell. Oh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Can't. If any, if any of us are watching this, please comment below and tell us the name of your train station, one or both of your train stations. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So like names can be names of people. Uh, they can be named after you know maybe if you're doing a your fantasy world, maybe the capital city is named after the royal family. Mm. of the king or queen that runs your uh runs your kingdom um they can also be like inspired by the land as well you can, you can have places that are named based on the fact that uh they are like i said a uh, pontier is a is a crossing point it's a river uh crossing point it is the border bridge and that's exactly where the name where the name comes from um what kind of what do you use those kind of naming conventions when you obviously dark fell really falls yeah. into that category it's where the dark god fell it makes perfect sense. Is there any other ones in your setting that kind of uh, jump out as being named uh, in, in that kind of sense where they describe the landscape in which they are based or they you know, describe something key about the about the settlement? Yeah. So like my my initial world map, I didn't think about that too much. I had initial concepts where I wanted, I actually kind of steered away from it a lot more, but initially my world was very, very heavily based on um, the Nordic cosmology and um, the Nine Realms. Um, so my first <laughs> few one were um, uh, Alf, Svart, uh, Musfell, uh, and Niffel, and I think that's it. I think that's. I think those were all the ones that I had. And Darkfell, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that that's yeah. the one I was missing. Um, and for those, those are literally just like I literally caught like it's Alfheim, Svart Alfheim, Niffelheim, Musfellheim. Yeah, yeah. So I just I just caught the Heim off all of them, um, which was yeah, just because I wasn't as i didn't think about it as deeply when i was first starting out but um now when i added all the new land masses all of them are intentionally named and like they they're usually um i would pull the name based on the culture so like yeah. um the current place are in yosai ryu i think i it's been a while since i double checked the meaning but i'm fairly certain i'm like 95 percent certain that the, the trans if you were to translate that into um from japanese into english that would be like the uh the i think it means yeah the dry the dragon isles i think that's cool yeah yeah. and then i have like so there there's three of them that are in pretty close proximity and they're all a good a, a good uh a good example of it so there's um yosariu which is the dragon isles there's pantamalud um which is named for a very similar reason for um pantier was was the one you mentioned earlier yeah 
Yes, so yeah, yeah. Bridge, so yeah. um I wanted that area to be a fusion of Greek and Roman, which is basically Greek and Greek. Um but <laughs> but still yeah i wanted it to, to, to be a, a fusion of greek and roman um and so well it was like oh it's because it's a fusion of the two of the two cultures it is like the meeting point of the two cultures I was like oh what's it's, uh, it's it's actually referred to as greco-roman is that it? uh is that yeah, the yeah yeah greco-roman yeah yeah. Description of, yeah 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 so i was like it's the meeting point of the two so like oh it's the bridging point it's the point where they meet so like pantamalut literally means the bridging point um, and then I have my Chinese influenced area called Hu Zhaodao, and that means the Tiger Isles, because that's that's, cool. that's the um that that is where I have a lot of my um I actually put a bunch of like Leonin in there, because I thought they'd be cool, because yeah. um China China is traditionally more like um like there's a lot of Buddhist belief in China and that's like I I like I, I think that kind of like squared kind of better a lot with um how do you know if you read the Leonin and Theros. Uh, it's not that they don't believe in the gods they just don't believe that they're necessarily worthy of worship by mortals so i kind of yeah. like, took a spin on that in that like um like china like with buddhism buddhists are just kind of chill with everybody <laughs> and they just kind of like yeah whatever it's grand uh, and then they kind of mm. just seek enlightenment on their own path um to be like the buddha obviously but like kind of less so in like there is mary and joseph and jesus that like um christianity would have um so yeah, i kind of stuck say, out with them. kind of uh it's uh, when it, I, I could be wrong on this now, please feel free to correct me um when it comes to buddhism it's it's not so much that buddha is worshipped as their quote-unquote god more so that he is their he's like their, their best their, example they, yeah and, and they kind of spiritually aspire to be as like him and follow his and yeah. follow his teachings but not necessarily bowing or worshipping him or praying yeah, he, to him he, like he isn't he isn't like god god as it is in the abrahamic faiths yeah, 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 exactly. Where the god is the, the Crim, creator yeah. and all that. Like Buddha was a, a mortal yeah, person he, who achieved enlightenment, wasn't he? I believe so, but I am not super up on my Buddhism, yeah, so I'm very much open to that. be correct, open to be corrected by someone who knows more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's kind of cool, though. That kind of I like I like that you took what was actually in D and D already, or rather, I suppose in. Uh, uh, Theros is the is a Magic the Gathering setting, isn't it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it's it's hilariously yeah. it's actually a Greek <laughs> Greek based like Magic the Gathering yeah. setting. <laughs> but I I just found the Leonin really cool. I just I they're they're like they're like if someone went I want to make Thundercats but a race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're actually basically Thundercats. <laughs> uh, that's really really cool though. Um, oh. No, I'm thinking something different. Never mind. I was gonna say, I, I, you said Thundercats, and I got me thinking about biker mice on Mars. Biker mice on Mars, yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I, I was like, you, yeah, the thing is, like, where I was thinking of putting Leon in my world is kind of deserty. Cool. Um, uh, and I was thinking you could totally do like a Mad Max uh, Thundercats kind of thing, but with Leon and you know cruising through the desert on. Uh, take the war machines out of uh, you could, to descent to Avernus. <laughs> you could like reskin them from lions because lions are more of like a plains um, big cat. You could reskin them from like lions to hyenas or something like that. Maybe make it more like deserty or fucked up. Oh, do dingoes? Do fucking giant dingoes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could totally do that because no, I mean, gnolls are typically based off of hyenas. But you could do gnoll ding. We talked about this a couple weeks ago about having variation in your races so mm. that. Obviously, lizard folk look like lizards, but they can look like like iguanas, or they can look like Komodo dragons, and they can look like different stuff. Have uh, have gnolls that look more like uh, dingoes as opposed to, uh, and, and they all have thick Australian accents naturally. Exclusively, um, babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Do you know when I laughed a second ago? It was because I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, moving moving on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, that'd be really cool to have yeah. dingo gnolls, you know, just a different subspecies of, of gnolls that are, uh, that just have a very different appearance. That'd be really, really cool. Um, they still, yeah, have, like they still have a G in front of the D, you just don't say it. A G? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> just just in keeping with the theme, there's yeah. always a... A silent G. Every, every, every single word in the null language has a silent G in the front of it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to try and, try and logic that through. That'll break my brain. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be... I, I like that. I like that kind of setting uh, idea as well. Um, of the... I, and actually, that's one that kind of comes on to another thing that I was looking at as well, and something I've done in my world, is um, I tend to pull real-world languages and assign them uh, to races and sometimes just different cultures. Um, like, for in, in my world, there is, uh, like I said, humans are typically European, one way or another. I have some Slavic stuff in there. I have some Mediterranean stuff in there. I have more Central Europe. Um, I have the the Kaled, uh, who are your characters, people who are kind of uh, they're kind of a mixture of Irish and Scottish, uh, with the temperaments of Vikings. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so there's, there's kind of a crossover here and there. Uh, in my world, dwarves are not Scottish; they are German. Um, who else do I have? I think my Goliaths, which play a fairly big part, I think in in my world because uh, they're quite prominent and I have subspecies of goliaths that kind of correspond to each different type of giant um, Super goliaths cool. are all um, uh, Scandinavian in keeping with that kind of uh, again similar to the mythology of, of your world where you kind of drew on Nordic mythology uh, they have a, a similar um, kind of uh, um, what else do I have? Oh, well, I, I oh have, thank I, God. Okay, you froze for a second there. I thought, I thought we were about to have to restart the show. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm back. For a second, but long enough to make me panic. <laughs> okay, was my, was my audio gone or was it just my video? Both. <laughs> we're, we're good, we're okay. good, we're good. <laughs> we're good, okay. We just might, uh, you yeah, just sorry, might have was... to repeat what you were saying. Uh, well, I was just saying that there was basically... Um, like I, I basically just pulled a lot of different cultures and stuff like that um, for to basically kind of I don't know round out uh, making the world feel real and I kind of do a lot of that with my, my, my place names as well I've kind of shown how I kind of do uh, like a bunch of the ones I have for Redalia which is a French motif is that I have Temerai but it's spelled A-I-L-L-E-S at the end I have uh, I have Basto mm -hmm. I have Caspier I have Arlay uh, which is A-R-L-A-I-S um, so I'm taking all these French spellings mm -hmm. of them, and I think it makes it. I honestly think it makes it sound quite. And you you can confirm or deny this to me as a player in my game. I think it makes it, the world seem more real. You know, the, and, and there's nothing wrong with calling your your settlement your your town. Um, I don't know what would you call it. Boxville, <laughs> Boxville, or or Greenwood, or something like that. Or you oh, could be River. as uh, as creative as uh, as as DC Comics are, um, and when they were deciding what to name were the the small town where Clark Kent grew up, Smallville. Small town, Smallville, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what's a metropolis? Is yeah. the big city. It's a metropolis. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, God, they really didn't. Uh, they really didn't work overtime on that one, did they? Eh, comic um, books, man. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a lot of stuff like that. And again, there's nothing wrong with having very very simple names and i think uh when you when you kind of stay in the if you're if you're a native english speaker and you kind of stay in the realm of calling things by a two-word combination of what it is but in english that's actually perfectly fine you know if you have uh a, i don't know 
I'm actually struggling to think of uh, of names of places now that uh, are. Uh, I got like a combination of three I can give you from. Um, it was yeah, actually yeah. the first three. It's actually like the first three small villages that um, my guys went to, and they, they're mm-hmm. it's on um, Niffel, which is largely a human area. Um, so there, I decided like uh, I, I had one. Um, yeah, I had, I had one village called Leafwell, and then I was building out from that, and I was like. Okay, generally speaking, like in the real world, where when things are named, they're generally named in patterns, usually of the area where they're like features in the area where they are, or like like some something prominent in location, um, or they'll follow like a convention sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what I went was I was like, okay, so the first town is called Leafwell, then the second, then the second town is called Slowware. Um, a where is like a very slow moving small river, um, right. And then the third town they went to was called Reedton because it was a village built on the edge of a swamp and it was built amongst the reeds. I like that. See, that, and that works. That, that's, that's right. Those are three prime examples of toponymy in action. You're describing the, and it, it works very, very well for small settlements in particular, because you can imagine that if there are only a couple hundred people, mm-hmm. they very easily could have sprung up in only the last couple decades. So the name can be very literal like that, uh, where you can be like, Oh yeah, it's a, it's it's a town. It's it's a town among the reeds. It's Reedton, and you, the, obviously town then is shortened to Tun, which is a a common thing as well. And um, Brighton in the UK is actually bright town. It's <coughs> on the southern part of of the UK. Mm-hmm. Lots of sunshine, therefore it is bright town, Brighton. You know, uh, it's the same thing with um one that I did in in this, and it's 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 uh, places that end in Ham, H A M. In lots uh, of pigs. in Britain and stuff like that, they were farms. Uh, they were what was it? <laughs> Said lots of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> lots of pigs. Just, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, places, places that are named Ham in uh, Britain or ended with Ham, like uh, 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 Buckingham, uh, Birmingham, Bucky, Buckingham, Birmingham, West Ham, stuff like that. These are all um, named as such because they, they come from the French word champ, and champ was a farm. Um, so these these would have been farming settlements, you know, hmm. um, and something that's really really like interesting to to work in, uh, especially calling something ton or vill or something like that. These all come from uh, uh, you you take a, an aspect of the environment and you add ton. It's the town that is in that environment, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's I was really like... really. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh no, I was going to say it's it's really really good to do, and I think we see a lot of it in pretty much even go, like look at um fucking. Oh, uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, blank there for a second. Uh, even look at Game of Thrones. Um, the the primary capital city is called King's Landing. It's where uh, it's where uh, Aegon the Conqueror uh, first landed when he came mm-hmm. to Westeros after fleeing uh, Essos and the Doom of Illyria. Um, so it's where the king landed. You know, um, yeah. Lannisport is the the main port town of the Lannisters. It's a Lannisport. Like you said a while ago, Winterfell. It's where it's the primary city that winter first hits because winter works its way southward. Oh, um I think it was no, it's because like it's like Winterfell is where they stopped the where Brandon Brandon the builder like stopped the Oh like defeated the Night King and oh the long night kind of the long uh, night I think like the long night ended at Winterfell so it is lit quite literally oh, okay. the place where winter, i.e. the White Walkers fell. Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying that okay, it's the first place that winter no, falls no. because the snow works its way southward. Kind of. No, I, I um, think I think that is correct, but it also could be something I read on the Song of Ice and Fire Reddit a while ago. 
Um, okay. But yeah, it makes sense to me. Like when like fell generally mean is gen generally refers to like mount like fell or fen generally I think refers to like a mountainous area. But like mm. um, in our world, I mean, but as far as I'm aware, in in Songwise and Fire, I think it is. Yeah, Winterfell is literally like place where the Night King fell. Yeah, yeah. Actually, another one as well. Is it? Is it? Helm's What's Deep. the Baratheon place? Uh, Storm's Landing. No, Storm's End. Storm's End. Yeah, because it yeah. is on the end of a cliff, and it's a, but it, the the area is known for storms. Hence, it's Storm's End. It's also uh, like so, legendarily supposed to be an attack by storm giants. Uh, is that one of them as well? Yeah, that's that's it. it. That, and that... was it not was it not that one of the Baratheons killed the storm? Basically, giants. no. I, I think mm -hmm. he like a storm came and, and was ravaging the place for like weeks, and he basically kind of called out the storm uh, and kind of like dared it to do its worst. And you know, you can never topple my castle or something like that. And then I think the castles withstood it. The castle survived, and he kind of they, that's why they're kind of like they consider themselves mm. me a storm more furious or more ferocious than a storm uh i'd have to double check it's been a while since i read the the book the encyclopedic book and like that thing is literally stuff. only like a line mentioned in the book anyway uh but... oh yeah so, uh, that's what that's good world building by george r, r. martin though those throwaway things that it's it, it's very much um like uh in the very first star wars when they're first talking to han solo and he's like i'm the captain of the millennium falcon and they're like is your ship fast and he's like fast it made the castle run on less than 12 parsecs and then you don't know what that means but it sounds fast yeah and that that evokes enough emotion in just that line to go what's the castle run that's it but it sounds like it went like it did that really really quickly that's that looks sounds like a really fast ship even though you don't know the context for it he, the way it's presented to you makes it sound that yeah. way so yeah so george R. R. Martin does a lot of that where he doesn't actually explain he'll have characters say these throwaway things of oh there hasn't been a massacre this bad since blank 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 and then you don't know what blank 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 is but it you know it was a massacre because it that's the way it was presented to you and they so if you ever hear it again you're like oh yeah that was a bad time <laughs> even if you have no context for it you know yeah um irish does a lot of that as well if you like directly translate um like traditional irish place names into english like like tyrone like tier owen which just literally means like owen's country yeah or john's country isn't it yeah john because <laughs> owen in irish means john um it does and and like uh, Limerick as well, like Limnach is like bare boggy spot. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's it's bare bare spot because it's like to our north we have the river, to our south east and west we have a. Uh, I did that backwards. Yeah, Lim not, maybe not from camera, Limerick is shaped that. like a saucer. It's flat in the middle, and there's mountains on all the edges. Basically, mountains on on like these three sides like that, and then the the top part is a river, and it's just this blank. Like patch in the middle of all these different uh, these different things, um, yeah. yeah. But that's it's it's really really good to to look at that and kind of then kind of translate. That. That's a really good example of if something if you translate it to a different language, though. So we say we say Limerick in English, mm. but in Irish Limerick would be Limnyak. Yeah, uh, and it, it's from again. It's kind of it's it's uh, simplified and kind of changed over time so it's not a one-to-one yeah. -one translation but the, the origin of it is there and Dublin is is Dublin yeah which is deep waters isn't it it's, uh Dublin is a black pool it's a black pool yeah we're talking about Dublin Bay yeah. and stuff though and the black water yeah. and ships could dock there easily so that's why Dublin is named it's called Dublin yeah but that's actually it's an anglicization again, it's of um it, it's of anglicized, anglicized and also like shortened and kind of colloquialized yeah. into Dublin. You get the same in uh, this like language in general. Like um the, the English word ogre comes from the German word Ungerheuer. And if you say Ungerheuer quickly enough, 
you can kind of misspeak it into ogre and that's basically yeah, yeah. how how all that happened like perfect example there's a place um there's a place near near enough limerick called uh inch um but in irish it's inish yeah. yeah so if you said that fast enough yeah. to, to an english speaker they would think you said inch exactly yeah, yeah. uh that's yeah and like i think that can be personally i that's why something i tried to do a lot this campaign in my previous uh campaign i like i named a lot of my cities and and all this sort of stuff based on uh on birds again, wasn't it and, sorry birds in the last campaign wasn't it uh well cordwheel was where that the, the emblem of cordwheel the country was uh a crow, a crow or yeah. a raven uh so um their capital city i believe was also called Asilia, right i think no Asilia was the oh. it was a pentagon oh, yeah, yeah. sorry whatever. yeah it was it was cordial uh, uh, and then they had they had three port cities three prominent port cities one was ravensport one was rook's point rook like a, another type of crow and then uh, and then murder stone which like a murder of crows um don't worry, it's not all made of stone. Uh, <laughs> I make that joke every time we talk about murder stone. <laughs> I'm like, don't, don't, don't worry about the name. It's not all made of stone. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that was that was a naming convention where I wanted each of the primary cities there to uh, to be uh, kind of represented by a different type of uh, crow or raven or whatever. Um, but I mean, a lot of other places I named uh, were kind of named as such because they were. Uh, very direct one-to-one translations you know i think i had a i want to say i had a very you never went there but i had it on the map and it was a very far western place um that was i think it was called like it might have been called goldport or something like that um and it was literally just a super super busy trade port but it you know gold flows in this port it's goldport you know Mm. um and that's that's something i haven't done as much as campaigning because i'm purposely trying to uh, to make I, I I think the languages make it sound different enough to us. So what I'll do is I'll take a word uh, in a language and then I will find out maybe two words. So if I want to call um how to do it, it's really hard. Like I I have oh like okay so um Versham was mm. the first town you guys started off in. Uh, in French, there is green. And Sham, like I mentioned a while ago, can be like a a, a farm or something like that. A uh, field, so, isn't it? Because uh, Sean's Elise is the Elysian fields. Uh, you're. I'm gonna take a word that I did German uh, in school. I, I, I didn't do <laughs> I didn't do French, but I I, okay. I just obsessed. You did Italian, it. didn't you? I did I did do Italian, yeah. So it's it's, it's yeah. similar enough, but like it's um I only know it means that because in uh say like the Romans um if if you died and went to like their like their version of heaven is um Elysium. Yes. And it was like endless bountiful fields. So like the Champs Elysees is the Elysian. Oh fields. yes, okay, that's really cool. Uh, but that that was that was like my idea for it. Where I I I I'd still take, you know, the the top the uh, toponymy, the description of the area and what the place is. It's a farm. It's a green farm. Um, but then I I change it into a different language because then because I I I speak well. We all are primarily English speakers. Um, it is. Uh, I, I feel like that makes it a little bit more interesting for us. I don't know. It's like it's like the it's like the less like words it sounds, the more like a place name it sounds. That <laughs> yeah, I totally totally get you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I try to do. That's why I, I, I translate them into different languages, and I don't, I never do I never do proper translations either. No. Um, it's it's like, like Pig Latin equivalent. Like. <laughs> oh oh like oh yeah, hundred and ten percent. I mean like I will translate them, and then I will kind of. I'll kind of break the word down a little bit. Um, like one place I have, what was it? Um, 
Oh, damn it. There's a place called uh, uh, Predoc in uh, in Kaelda, which yeah. is the, the kind of Irish um, country that I have in my world. Um, and Predoc, Cree means heart, and Chock is a house. Mm. But I've kind of I I kind of break down the Chock part into just an A C H like an Ock part, uh, and then it becomes Cree Credoc. And then, so it's like, it's like your your heart's home, or the home is what a yeah. heart is, kind of thing. Is what I was going for. Yeah. Um, or like we've uh, um, where, where my characters from because they're these from the Hound Clan. Um, the main city in the Hound Clan territory is called Chalaku, which is the yeah. Hound Hearth. Exactly. Yeah. The, the yeah exactly that the, the Hounds the Hounds like where yeah exactly so it's I I I think as I purposely do it because one I do I never do direct translations. I'll get the sound kind of right, but I'll never do a direct one-to-one. I'll, I'll purposely misspell it or change it to a more simplified spelling so that you guys as players can read it more easily. Um, but I'll do that because I want... Uh, I don't want to assume that I'm doing anywhere near proper translations for a bunch of languages I do not speak. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Um, so I'll purposely go, oh, I, I, the name was inspired by this, but do not take that as a... Uh, at face value because if you actually try to translate this I'm sure it means nothing like what I want it to mean oh, yeah. um, well, like that's, that's... It's, it's really more so to kind of point me in the right direction and and that kind of that's a part of uh, toponymy as well because names people would have called things by their very literal names at one mm-hmm. point you know the town like the town on the river you know it's river town the town on the river but that would eventually become Riverton when you start saying it very fast um, yeah it's it, like you don't even have to like make it up uh, like the place where Shakespeare was born is called Stratford upon Avon like yeah, it's exactly. it's Stratford upon the river, the city Stratford upon the river Avon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and again, that's that's the very English, the English stuff more so because I guess we we understand the, the language behind it. But uh, that's it's very very obvious when it's uh, and it doesn't like Stoke on Trent and stuff like that as well. Oh there's yeah, how, how did I not think of Stoke on Trent first? <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a lot of different settlements yeah. and stuff like that that are very. They're telling you it's Stoke. It's it's on the river Trent. That is exactly what it is, you know. Um, but that's that. There, there. That's kind of part of it. I, I like. I do the translating into languages just because I think it can make things a bit interesting. I make things sound gives more... it a good flavor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially because I'm trying to lean into that um, yeah. that kind of French thing. I think I think it comes off nicely. I think totally. in, uh, in our it, it all part. helps with the immersion. I think like when you if I think the key to what whenever anyone is writing any anything really for D and D is you want to like immerse your players in it you want them to feel like they are in like a real like living breathing world or feel like they're they're feel like they're, they're not in a room pretending that they're actually these characters and you want to yeah. try and like write and set things up in, in the best way possible to enable that um and i think like doing stuff like yeah having naming conventions like that like um like using the actual like if you're basing a place on the culture using the actual language of that culture to mm-hmm. um to develop it like so like my japanese place is called yosairiu that's that those are those are literally just like three or three i think it's like three japanese words that i slam together um yeah to, yeah. to make drop it, a letter like, here insert a letter here yeah that, change it o to an a whatever I, I, you know i think for that one i literally did just slam two or three words together because <laughs> that because yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of the time in japanese that's kind of how names and stuff are done it'll be like two words that are joined together and yeah oh uh, uh, german's an awful lot of that as well yeah 
Uh, a, a lot of things in German are compound words of just two other yeah. similar things that they kind of match together. I, I saw a hilarious together, one. Yeah. I saw a relevant but hilarious tangent that we can go on recently. Is that uh, I saw I saw <laughs> I saw a meme and it was like the explanation. I think it was of how penguin is in Chinese, and it's like shows the two characters for for the word penguin, and then in in English underneath it says penguin, and then there's an arrow that goes from each of the characters, and it's like the one on the left is business, and the one on the right is goose. <laughs> <laughs> business because he's wearing a little suit <laughs> so like even in the real world you don't you don't it doesn't have to make sense necessarily just as long as you yeah, evoke oh, the feeling so bad shit sometimes <laughs> that was and lean into that lean into that as well you know I, mean, I, I think that can make things very strange very weird hell yeah um, uh, another thing uh, when it comes to uh, settlements and stuff like that. When I typically build a settlement, I, I kind of have a, a way in which I do it. I don't always follow it 100%, but I, there's a few steps I will typically tick off on my on my list of here's how I build a settlement. Uh, I'll pick a location that I'd like for this to be. Maybe it's a part of the country that I don't have any settlements in yet. So I'm like, I should put a settlement somewhere out here. Where would people settle out here? Well, there's a river. Cool. I'll put it on the river because they have fresh water, fish, whatever else. Um, and I'll do all my kind of real world passes. Mm -hmm. I'll think of like natural resources, defense. Um, uh, what you know is it? What's their reason for being out here? Is it because like no one's going to just pick a random field and plop a town down? Yeah. You typically do it because there's some sort of value to the region, you know. Um, and I'll do all those real world things. I'll come up with why why this place is uh, is where it is, why it's named the way it is. Uh, and then I think I do, and I typically do this last, and I'd, I'd, be, I'd be curious to know if you do the same thing. I, unlike my maybe third pass, after I've decided the location, the size of the town, the like, uh, the resource purpose of the town, you know, wh why is the town important to the kingdom? Why is it here? The, maybe the third or fourth pass I'll do will be what is unique or what is the big, what is the thing? What is the thing that is this town is known for uh what is the or what is the magical element if it's a magical settlement you know what is the thing here that is the weird magic thing of this town because i typically build a, well, as much as i can a real functioning world in dnd and then i do i do a, a fourth pass and i go cool let's let's just get a little uh a little syringe and inject some magic here and there <laughs> into random parts of the world uh and let's see what happens um just so, a vision of you rattling Tinkerbell over your world map. <laughs> just like 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 wringing her out like a cloth, just like that. And just got get all that fairy dust. Oh, okay. Give now. me the magic. Uh, Give me the magic. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I uh one uh is there is there any like towns that come to mind in your world that have a particularly unique uh magical aspect or even just something that's that they do that no one else really does? I mentioned about um Celestia a while ago having. There being the site of where uh, a holy celestial relic fell, hence why the water there has certain properties. Um, is there any other settlements you have that are kind of have a a magical aspect to them? They're they're here because they have magic, or maybe maybe they didn't, but they weren't always magical, and the fact that the settlement is there now makes it magical. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, um, I suppose like in terms of a magical thing um like uh i've seen they've unintentionally made like the gods and like the presence of the gods a very um like core thing to my campaign it just seems to crop up in my world building all the time i probably played too much age of age of empires age of mythology when i was a kid 
Oh, uh, such age uh, mythology. Fucking amazing. Yeah, game. let me build a Hydra. Why not? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, the, the, one of the best parts of that game was that you... The, everyone, what was it? Favor? Yeah. Favor was the resource where you could only get it by... If you got it different ways. So if you're... I believe if you are uh, Greek, you have to uh, assign people to pray at the altar. And then if you were... I can't remember what the Egyptian one was, how you got the Egyptian favor. Yeah. Um, but then the one for Vikings was you generate favor while your units are in combat, <laughs> uh, which I thought was just absolutely... It made, it made playing them kind of tricky. But, oh, man, sending a bunch of little, like, axe-wielder guys into a fight and just watching that little ticker go up. Oh, so brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh, in uh, in my uh, Greco-Roman place, um, Pontum Malud, they have an oracle, um, similar to how there was an oracle at Delphi, and uh, it, basically in Pontum Malud, certain countries worshipped very specific, in certain places worshipped very specific gods. So like Yosairiu, um, specifically they worship Bahamut and Io, um, because in my world, um, so the dragonborn uh, were born from like shed drops of blood. Uh, all the reptilian races in uh, were born from different varieties of shed drops of um, Tiamat's blood, um, but uh, at, at some point in the in his in uh, mytho history, shall we say, um, Bahamut basically like cleansed um, Dragonborn of uh, t- of Tiamat's influence and allowed them to live like lives of their own. Um, so they have a very strong reverence and connection to uh, Bahamut. Similarly, in Pantamelud, um, they are very much connected with my uh, my go- goddess of law and integrity called in Integra, uh, law and justice. Sorry, um, and uh, she basically chooses one particularly devout female follower a generation and uh, grants her the powers of the oracle, and they see it as the oracle there. And very similar to like like Greco-Roman stuff again, like you know, they they go to her to take to, to ask for her judgment on certain things, like when to go to war where like um where should we plant our crops and like and are there any upcoming disasters is there a monster coming our way that kind of a thing i will mention this without going off on a tangent about Zack snyder is there a thing like this in 300 isn't it doesn't uh, uh, yeah there, there is yeah. speak to a council of of, of seers goes, or oracles he, yeah he goes to speak to the oracle and uh, it's like this young this young woman possessed by um like a spirit and then like the old men listen to her speak and then tell Leonidas, um, what's going on? Yes, I, I, I'm thinking of the old men in this case. But yeah, you're right. There is, there is a person they communicate with, and then they, they interpret and pass that on to Leonidas as, as king. Yeah. yeah, but I think like as, as far as I'm aware, anyway, like traditionally speaking, in like in like the Greek tradition, the Oracle of Delphi was like someone you could go up and petition. You could like oh, go up to me yeah. like Oracle Joe. I, 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 I'm not certain on that, by the way. But like I, I think as from what I, off the top of my head, I believe you could like go up and just like you know, kind of pay pay uh, pay a um, a tithe or reverence there, and kind of like if if you're lucky enough, she might be able to tell you like give you some important of your future. That's really cool. So this this particular town has a a, a consistent elected uh, spiritual leader per generation. Yeah, uh, that just is always occupying that town, and they are they are it's someone that only exists in this town. It makes this town really unique in that case. Exactly. Yeah. So like, uh, I have like five city states because there were like five Greek city states, and like each of them controls a very specific function, um, and they're actually named in connection with their function. So for example, um, where uh, the oracle is is called Doctrina, um, I believe, which is I think the uh, Greek or La- Greek or Roman for like knowledge. Um, then there is uh, the town where the military are mostly based out of is called Pila and the Pila was the main spear used by Greek infantry oh it's cool yeah 
very very cool that's kind of I, um, I, I do mostly to like amuse myself really or if you know <laughs> uh, do you know like your world building <laughs> and you're like I like okay this and you're like ah oh, yeah that's a cool reference you know I just throw in references to things I like and that kind of amuses me and then if a player goes oh what's that mean I can be like well and then they they might find that cool too <laughs> you mentioned something when we were discussing what we're going to be talking about uh, on this episode of the podcast and it's I, I didn't delve into it because I purposely wanted to ask you Ooh. while we were recording you mentioned to me earlier today that you have an area a frozen area in your world yes. semi uh, Icewind Dale based and you have three settlements there, and because Icewind Dale is meant to be this kind of horror thing, and it meant to be take influences from like um, uh, the Thing, the movie mm. The Thing, uh, you named those three settlements after three of the cast members, or three, uh, three, of, three of like three of like the more central characters in the Thing. Um, it's yeah. Uh, so there's Cooperfield, uh, Creedyville, and crap that was uh i think it's like benningston um hang on i, I i'll pull it up on my phone or another okay, but uh okay, cool. so like vestigia is it isn't even really a country it's just, it's it's a it's a piece of another country that got broken off in a storm um and then just floated further northward and it's like very icewind day like uh think like alaska <laughs> like or like yeah, yeah. Uh, think like alaska or serbia but it's uh yeah it's like cooperton oh i actually did share this on the mike flair's twitter um, if any of you guys want to have a look, uh, I, I believe we all we shared one of Connor's maps during the week, and I, I threw um, my world map up today. Um, there we go. Yeah, so I have. Uh, yeah, uh, so that it, it's actually uh, Copperfield, I think. Yeah, Copperfield. I, I wrote. I I used like Gothic fonts, so sometimes that to be like. Um, but yeah, it, it's so it's Copperfield because your man's name was Cooper. Um, and then yeah, Cooper uh, Creedyville because um, Kurt Russell's character is called McCready. And Creed, then, yeah. and then, um, yeah, Benningson, yeah, because I believe Bennings is the first person infected by the creature. Interesting. I like that. That's a nice little, uh, a nice little, uh, what was it called? Reference. Nod. Easter egg. Yeah, Easter egg. Thank you. Hey, and it's Easter. Yeah, today. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And we were actually, it's the Sakura Festival in Japan today as well. Boom! Oh, look at that. It all, it all falls into place. Like a uh, nicely made egg. <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> um that's that's really cool though i mean like uh i like probably my favorite part is trying to is trying to figure out a weird thing to do with a town mm. you know after the fact um so, sometimes it can just be a settlement you know some little throwaway thing don't be super important um but i like adding the, the because i got because it's D and my world is not i wouldn't say high high magic but there is it's moderately high yeah. you know I wouldn't say high magic, uh, but yeah, like there's, like it's not, oh, it's not quite Eberron, but it's like it's like a six or seven. Yeah, I'd, of, I'd say like me, I'd say like medium scale. Like if you go like like low magic is like a song of ice and fire prior to the dragons arriving. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, and then like high magic is Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Um, you are sort of. Um, I would say high, high magic is more like Harry Potter. I would, I would say because it's literally everywhere. Everyone has access to it. Um, you know, it's the, the world was sung into the world and everything in it was sung into creation in Tolkien. Yeah, but again, that's a lot of that doesn't happen. True. Okay, that's I, fair. Yeah, it, it, on a day to day is what I mean. Like, not every yeah. single character has access it's, to magic. I suppose it's more. Yeah, it's more obvious. I suppose like it's. I guess Tolkien is like it's a very magical world. But yeah, yeah, I get you uh, in terms of like yeah. actual p people who like use spells and stuff in the story. Yeah, it's a lower. It would be yeah, lower yeah. magic than Harry Potter, where literally a wizard uses his wand to start his tea. D&D itself, I mean, does, yeah. if you look at, like, um, 
the Sword Coast and stuff like that, that's pretty high magic. Like, oh, D&D uh, is super high magic. Yeah, I mean, like, every single, almost every single class or most subclasses have some form of magical effect you can do. Even if you pick something like, uh, I don't know, think of something kind of, pick a, a barbarian, which would normally just be a, a savage warrior or whatever, you know? Uh, but you can be a storm hell barbarian and lightning can arc off of your body, you know, and stuff or, like that. Uh, uh, the zealot barbarian and literally be so angry you can't die. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this, I mean, D&D itself is... is oh, just a wild uh, magic barbarian where you're literally like, <laughs> I'm so angry I can oh, spell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so angry I break reality on a round-by-round yeah. round oh, basis. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm probably not going to play barbarian again for a long time. But if the next time I actually play barbarian in a campaign, I'm going to play the wild magic barbarian because that just mm. looks like too much fun. Yeah, no, it's... I didn't. It didn't grab me when it first came out, but then I kind of had a better look at it when when the print book yeah. came out, and I was like, I was like, oh, do you know what? I I like this. I like the chaos of this. When it came um, out, and I saw that there was an ability where you do two d ten necrotic damage to everyone within thirty feet of you, and then gain temporary hit points equal to the damage you've done, I was like, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which for a barbarian who can, you know with your resistances and stuff is yeah. pretty crazy. I would fucking yeet myself off a wall into into a crowd of enemies <laughs> very much similar to how me how i was playing vermintide as you during the week where i just throw myself into a crowd of enemies and just go fucking buck wild <laughs> i just keep picturing that um that scene in two towers yes where the wall blows up and aragorn's kind of on the ground he's shell-shocked and he's, he's kind of trying to focus and all the soldiers are trying to like reform inside and get me just like aragorn and he jumps off the wall into a bunch of <laughs> upward pointing pikes yeah. and lands on a couple of orakai and then just starts clubbing them with his axe left right and center <laughs> very much so um, yeah. yeah oh god man what a what a fucking moment <laughs> <laughs> uh well I, I, that that moment i love but the, the moment that immediately follows it where aragorn rallies the elves and gives the the command of everyone fire and you watch all the orakai come in and they're just peppered with arrows and then as soon as they're all down he's like swords and everyone draws yeah. simultaneously oh. and then they charge the the enemy line coming through the wall oh, he, that was that was the coolest aragorn figure you could get for the lord of the rings tabletop game was was the figure of aragorn at helm's deep like i had the king aragorn he was pretty cool but like he's yeah. just like it's, it's him like standing like that like running into battle it was so mm. badass uh oh man I, I, I do I do a watch of those movies about once a year and I think I'm probably due a watch of those movies uh, but yeah so that's uh, like doing that kind of magical pass mm. on, on a town is is, uh, is something that I think is what makes it D&D because I think that's what that's important because I think there should be something and you should always have some sort of magical element even if it isn't it shouldn't be necessarily you know wildly no, no wild magic pun intended Wait. it shouldn't it shouldn't be wildly magical necessarily. It doesn't have to be that half the city floats or uh, like th this entire, I don't know, section or quarter of the town that is walled in is full of undead or something. It doesn't have to be something major like that. Uh, watch watch, watch Matt Coville's world building for Capital. Mm. And he has parts of his entire city are just occupied by undead like bank tellers and death knight tax collectors. It's batshit but it's awesome um it's that, see that's why i said he's like sadistic matt <laughs> <laughs> uh he's, he's not he's not sadistic i think he he definitely he's able to switch off that little voice that doesn't want you to doesn't want as a dm who that 
where you don't want to kill your players. And I don't think he does it that he wants to do it, but he's able to go, I'm not killing anybody. The Death Knight here, the Death Knight wants you dead. I'm just playing the Death Knight as they would, you know, behave. Uh, which is a voice that I find hard to turn off sometimes. Uh, and I do my yeah. I do my best, but like, I will, I, you know, it's hard to... You do instinctually feel bad when someone's getting hammered. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and like, you know, there's times when you, you got to play monsters a certain way. Like a griffin, if you attack a griffin enough... Um, uh, they're going to try and fly away because they're probably looking to eat you. But if you're putting up enough of a fight, they're like, nah, fuck that. I'll go find a deer or somewhere. Yeah. And that'll be enough. Um, so like, there's times when you need to behave the way the animal would. Not all An animal won't always try to fight to the death simply for food. Um, you know, if uh, if you're in a fight with, uh, I don't know, a death knight, but they, the death knight has a particular gripe with a member of your party, and then you know it's probably going to be the job of the other other three or four members of the party to keep that person safe, mm-hmm. and and you got to be the buffer because if if he gets to them, it's going to be three attacks every single turn just on that person because he wants that person dead, you know, um, and that that's where I think you know being smart as, as players can help to counteract something the dm should be doing in order to you know play their yeah. game right that's a bit of a tangent that's a that's a whole other episode in terms there's, of that um, player player dm mentality and all that sorry there's something that uh that popped into my head there that i think was a very good example of sort of what you were saying where there should always be something there should always be like a mm-hmm. feature or a point of interest or whatever you see it in open world games all the time like skyrim you could wander around and collect all those general those those like uh where the nodes of power oh the, the standing stone yeah yeah, yeah yeah um there's a thing matt mercer um to mention friendly matt um put <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt. yeah to put in um when the guys were doing their underwater arc i can't remember exactly the name of the place they were when they were underwater um in this, this campaign one campaign two campaign two dark toe yeah it was i think it was near dark toe yeah but there was an yeah. area they were passing through and they had um they had heard rumors of this thing called the shilla this spirit that like haunted this certain area um, and at one point it was just like a rumor they heard and at one point they're doing a mission and uh, they're doing like a quest in a, a nearby area and they just happened to come across Dishilla's altar and like Travis and Liam oh, yes. Travis and Liam yeah. start like messing with it trying to see if it'll work they're like cutting their hands and bleeding on it because to see if it'll some work some sort of blood ritual table yeah and yeah. They, they can't get it work they just forget about it or whatever they leave it go and then later on Dishilla comes back <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but like, and, and like, but doesn't she complete it? Because they they give some blood, and it's like, oh yeah, I think Matt gave them the impression that like, I mean, it seems to be it, it working. Needs but more it seems blood. like it wants more. Yeah. Yeah. And then they left, and like, let's just let this. We're fucking with this too much. Let's just leave it alone. And then they left, and then as soon as they left, she came back, and she completed whatever ritual was there. And wasn't there some sort of big like? whirlpool or a storm yeah. appeared in the sky because she summoned the blood storm or something like that it was crazy yeah it was like an arcane storm uh but like something like that is like that's a super great thing to put in there or just like just putting like interesting stuff because like if you're doing like an old world like your world's been around for like millennia lots of just random magical shit will have happened in random places all over the fucking world just because history happens like have uh, you could have ruins um beneath the town um yeah. of, of an old uh, civilization that you didn't even know was there but like the foundations of one of the buildings there is is the top level of a three-story building that's actually right below the town yeah at uh, one 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 that i did uh, for the starting town to get i suppose uh, the primary starting town you guys were in were called rune um rune is named because there is a standing stone in the center of it 
with is a rune stone and it's carved by giants and those runes basically ward away evil creatures and that's why the town is a bit where it is and it's safe there because it's built in close proximity to the stone uh another thing i had and it's gonna it's gonna two two and one almost uh rune is actually unknown to both the giants that made the stone and to the people that settled here it's also uh based right on top of a uh a rift to the shadow fell there was a naturally yes. occurring rift to the shadow fell um and when the stone is active it suppresses the negative energy of the rift so it doesn't actually affect the town the rift is essentially closed it's not closed but it's it's closed over it, it can't be accessed yeah it's kind of it's concealed um by the stone and the stone kind of makes it so weak that it won't affect the town your guys the one the first art you guys did was that you were in the town there had been a lunar eclipse and the stone recharges by the cycle of the moon because there'd been a lunar eclipse the stone was no longer working and then all of a sudden all these shadow fell rifts could open in the town mm -hmm. and creatures started coming through uh, and you guys basically were hired on for the full month and they're like look next month there'll be another full moon uh with the stone will hopefully recharge then and, and we can be safe but until that time we need people to help protect the town uh, and that was kind of a, a two-in-one where i had this cool magic stone that protects the town it stopped working and now because it stopped working all this other magical stuff that this anomaly that would normally occur there is also uh, is also gone Oh, is is now free to you know kind of uh, yeah. uh, harass the town. Uh, another one I did was uh, there is a place. Well, this one kind of came about after the fact, and almost specifically because you guys did something specific. Ooh. So I was I, I that coastal town I mentioned called Caspier. Uh, in Caspier, it's a fairly rundown town. It's kind of built on the end of a mangrove, on the coast of a mangrove swamp. Um. And because of this, then there is a lot of the buildings have begun sinking into the soft ground. The foundations aren't solid. Some of them have just tipped over and collapsed, and some of the walls of the town have even sunken. Um, so there's entire blocks that are just half underwater and stuff like that. Um, in one of these little dead end roads that slumps off downhill into a pool, a huge pond of, of brackish water, um, there was a, a tiefling druid named uh, faith oh yes <laughs> and you guys made friends with her and she was like all into like she was basically a mushroom uh uh what it's called a spore circle of spores yeah yeah uh, and she was she would help you guys she gave you some potions and she asked you to get her an ingredients book and stuff like that and you found this staff it was like a walking stick but it had like mushrooms growing on the side of it and it was a magic item that could do poison damage and stuff uh, and i gave that to you with the full intent that the warlock in our party would use it it's you know it's a magic item for a caster and stuff like that um but at the time because of an entirely different thing that <laughs> happened he was cursed by an evil sickle and he was possessive of it and he wouldn't let anyone else hold it and he only ever wanted to use that weapon when it, when it came to a fight um so instead uh wabu the turtle barbarian took it and he didn't really want it either so then before they left town he offered it to faith you know like here you can take this we don't really need it uh, and I was kind of thinking to myself, I did put that in for Dan, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I uh, and then I had this whole other thing happen where I thought if she has this, she might start messing around with this staff. And basically what she did was she planted it at one point and then it, it grew into a mushroom tower, essentially. Mm. Uh, literally, like literally Jack and the Beanstalk style, she put it in the soil and within a couple of minutes, this enormous tower erupted out of the ground. <laughs> Uh, and it's entirely made of soft 
spongy mushroom, but it's a, it's a fully functioning tower, and also the entire area around it got loads more mushrooms and stuff on it. So now there's this city block where it's kind of like this small uh, druid commune, because Faith always used to feed uh, the homeless with mush like mushrooms, and she would give them like whatever food she could muster up for the people that were begging on the streets. Um, so she's kind of a community leader of these you know, mm -hmm. homeless people and stuff like that. And when she accidentally grew an entire little commune in this city block, uh, she kind of now lives in the tower, and all the kind of homeless and stuff live in the other little huts that are partly mushroom huts. Um, and they eat that, and then they kind of like provide for one another. And that's this little magical element that has occurred in the town because you guys gave her this staff that turned into a bloody tower. Um, so now she has her own little uh, faction within <laughs> within the town because of something you guys did. D and D is very much the game of unintended consequences. D and D is. Uh, there's one more I want to talk about before you finish up. All right. uh, it's not mine, but it was in a campaign I only played one session of, and it haunts me to this day okay. in a good way because I want to know what was going on, and I've ne I've never found out. And I need to ask this guy. Uh, uh, there was a guy named you. You know, uh, we won't say last names, but you know Stevie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stevie ran a one shot, or what was was going to be more of a campaign, but it was a, it was we only played one session of it, right? And we were on this newly discovered continent, uh, and we were going to a town, and it started off with some goblins attacking us on the road. Pretty simple stuff, or nothing wrong with that. We arrived at the town, and the town was built on this muddy swamp, right? And in the swamp, there was a mayor, uh, and he actually, he was basically, he was kind of hiring us. He's like, hey, I have some jobs you guys can do if you're up for it. We're like, yeah, definitely, we'll, we'll be up for that. And we explored the town a little bit, and all these little... Uh, huts were either either on stilts over these pools of mud or around the pools of mud and stuff like that but the mud pools were kept intact and there was a few buildings that had pipes coming off them and they were pumping the mud up and into the buildings because the mud had some sort of magical property <laughs> to this day i don't know what that magical property <laughs> is this is like but six, this, this is like six years ago nearly now as well isn't it <laughs> this is no plenty more this might be maybe seven or eight years ago uh, this is a long, long time ago, um, but I, I'm still to this day dying to know what the hell was happening with that magic mud. <laughs> Imagine it was just like a booming skin skincare um, business in that town. Hey, it might be. That and you know what? If 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 Stevie turned around to me and said that, I'd be like, "That's awesome! I'm all, I'm all I'm all for it." It's like it's a youthful rejuvenation mud. I'm like, yes, I'm, I love it. I love, but I, I need to know. <laughs> I, need, I need to know what that mod was all about. It'd be ooh, I do. It'd be cool if it was like um, it was like divinely touched mod or something, and it basically had the effect of casting gentle repose like once every couple of minutes, and uh, the entombed people in it. That's see, that's really that that's exactly the kind of thing that like that that's good world building though because we like there is a special property to the mod. We don't know what it is. It's magic. It's magic in some way. And of all things, you could make magic in a town, by the way. Whether it's the stone, a flying part of the city, and the water is celestial-based. To say that the mud is magic, the mud that the town is built on is magic, <laughs> I think it's genuinely inspired. To be fair, you did make magical shite in this campaign. Did I? Yeah, you, do you remember the magic shit monster we fought in the sewers? Oh, well, here, okay, look. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was... Uh, that Okay, that was in a, in a Why do town. you sound guilty? Why do you sound guilty, Connor? 
what what happened was uh you guys are in a town where there is a a, a magical college shall i see him watch him trying uh, to and... defend himself <laughs> <laughs> and because okay so there are sewers naturally uh, this isn't a town where people are throwing their buckets out their their upstairs window onto the street below. Uh, there is sewers. People use bathrooms. Everything flows down into the sewer. What else flows into the sewer? Uh, the alchemical runoff from the college above, which sometimes has unforeseen magical effects when it mixes with pretty much anything that's in the sewer. So yes, you guys fought what I called uh, an arcana, uh, an arcanu, an I think I called Arcanus, it. I said, an yeah, arcana yeah. ooze. It was an arcanus. And it was uh, it was a glowing. Now you can do this normally if it's just made up of arcane runoff and stuff. This was also kind of mixed with shit, just based on where it was. So this magic shit was monster a, was it was a magic a magic shit and uh, alchemical ingredient ooze that uh, that I think I, yeah I, I put into a session a good while back. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. I thought. All I could think of the entire time for that was uh, there's a film called Dogma by Kevin Smith, and it's it's like uh, it's it's like an end of the world uh, apocalypse kind of uh, like very Catholic movie. And at one point, the bad guys summon a shit demon to try and kill um, Jay and Silent Bob and a few of the other main cast. And they're in uh, like a bishop's office, and he has golf clubs. So Jay, so Silent Bob runs over and gets a golf club and just batters this shit demon with the golf club and. The, de- the shit demon dies when it gets hit with his golf club because, of course, the bishop blesses his golf clubs. And on that note, <laughs> Martin, <laughs> that's all the time we have for today. Is it really? Wow, sorry, I got so caught up in talking about shit demons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have any questions you'd like to ask, stories you'd like to share, or topics you would like us to, uh, to cover... Please tweet us at Mike Flair's Pod on Twitter. You can also find our podcast on YouTube and Spotify. And on uh, Facebook. Martin. And on Facebook now as well. Thank you very much. I should add that to my, my outro notes. Um, Martin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, mostly here. Possibly discussing shit demons. Uh, mostly here on the Mike Flair's Podcast, where uh, we discuss things like uh, shit demons and churches fighting over who actually had the foreskin of Jesus Christ. Um, I forgot. I, I forget what episode that was. But I yes, think that eight. Was I think that episodes. was eight. I think that was another world ability type episode. Um, but other than that, you can mainly find me on Twitter at So Sorry It's Over. It's boom right down in the corner there. I am. I'm also quite often on the Mike Flares podcast Twitter account, which you can find in the bottom right hand corner of our screen, along with our YouTube and Spotify uh, names. No, sorry, words hard. Yep, can't speak that. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R Z E O. Deep breath, come on. Z Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N. Very important. That was so close uh, that also... time. That was so close. <laughs> was, that, was that close? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> uh, and also here every Friday at six PM on the Mike Flares podcast on both, like I said, YouTube, Spotify. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that was a bit insightful about how myself and Martin kind of do some of our world building when it comes to designing towns. Um, I think we did a very broad idea there. We might get into some more of the nitty gritty in future about populating towns with unique characters, yeah. you know, what kind of facilities should be in town, stuff like that. We might get into that in a, in a future video. Uh, but for now, guys, that's all from me. And that's all from uh, me. I was going to prompt you because I didn't know if you were. It's not important. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you all again next time. Bye bye. <laughs>